Hey, Pioneers! Welcome to episode number 332. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about homesteading and gardening when you have children. We'll actually be kind of covering the gamut from when you have really young children, infants, toddlers, middlers, teenagers, and perhaps you even have a spread of children throughout all of those different ages. But really helping you to incorporate them into the homestead and also a look at what it is honestly going to look at with some of these different ages when you have kids because oftentimes we can have a unrealistic idea of what it should look like and what we will be able to accomplish versus what's really the reality and then we kind of set ourselves up for failure or we feel very disappointed or we feel like we haven't done what we wanted to or as much as we should have etc so I am super excited to dive into this topic today and I have a very special guest that we're going to be discussing this with for those of you who are new Welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast. So nice to meet you. I am your host, Melissa K. Norris. I'm a fifth generation homesteader and also the founder of the Pioneering Today Academy, as well as MelissaKNorris.com. And between the podcast, my courses, the membership, YouTube channel, all the fun places, I help thousands of people every single month use modern homesteading in a simple way so that they can create a healthier and more self-sufficient life for themselves and their family, really no matter where you live, because we can incorporate elements of homesteading anywhere. And today's episode is sponsored and brought to you by my book and planner, the Family Garden Plan Book. So this is literally step-by-step chapters and worksheets and charts that take you through every aspect of planning your garden, knowing exactly how much you need to plant of fruit and vegetables based upon what your family eats and your climate. Also helps you figure that out if you don't know that yet, so that you can grow a year's worth of food for your family if that is your desire. So from the planning stages, both on how much and what to plant to actually planning out your beds and your orchards. So we include fruits for perennials to harvest time, all using organic natural methods from companion planting, crop rotation, and all of it is for a backyard gardener. So for small gardens, it applies to in-ground gardening, raised beds, container gardening, and as a lot of us do, a mixture therein of all of these different growing beds to grow as much food as possible. So that is the family garden plan. It has all of the step-by-steps and information needed to grow your garden through all of the seasons. And then the family garden planner is exactly as it sounds. That is a day planner. So you have the year, month, and then weekly, and then even hour by hour breaks it down, but from a gardening perspective. So there are charts that will take you through each month and let you know based upon your gardening zone and or your first and last frost dates, exactly what you need to do every single month in the garden, as well as record so that you have got this record and every single year, you will be able to tweak things to create a better garden and have your own personalized gardening system. But it walks you through how to set all of that up so that you don't miss anything. Because sometimes in gardening, you just don't know what you don't know and what needs to be done in each specific month. 
So it helps you create a day-by-day, month-by-month system that you're writing in, and that is the Family Garden Planner. And both of those can be found at melissaknorris.com. You can just uh, hop over to the website and you will see where it says shop. And it's a little downward arrow. You'll click that and you'll see books and you can go there directly and it'll show you all the places you can order. But at this moment of the recording, if you click on the general store, you will see where I have a few autographed copies left of both of those books that you can order directly from me as long as those are still showing in stock. So you've got lots of options for getting those into your hands. Now for today's episode, back to our interview and announcing our special guest, and it is Rebecca Rhodes. Many of you are probably familiar with her husband, Justin Rhodes, or the Justin Rhodes Show from YouTube, but Rebecca teaches and inspires millions of people to grow their own food alongside her family through their popular YouTube channel as well as their streaming platform, Abundance Plus, and her individual Instagram account. And I was very excited to bring Rebecca on because she is at a, I don't know if a unique stage is quite the right wording, but that's what came to mind, where they have very young children, kids who are middle-aged, and then those who are even entering their preteens and teenage years. And so we wanted to do an episode. Many of you have emailed in or left reviews or asked me uh, for help in gardening and incorporating the kids. But also, if you have young children, how do you actually do all of that? So Rebecca and I are sharing our tips in today's episode. Now, for any of the things that we mentioned, for any resources and links, you can grab all of those with the blog post that accompanies today's episode. You will find that in the show notes, or you can simply type in melissaknorris.com forward slash 332 because this is episode number 332. Again, melissaknorris.com forward slash 332. And now let's get straight to this interview. I am very excited for today's guest, Rebecca Rhodes. Welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast. Thank you. I'm excited too. I feel like we have ran in the same circles for a really long time and I've even got to see you at some of the events but it's never been where we've actually just got to sit and chat so yes I'm really excited that we finally get that opportunity and about a subject that I have a lot of readers and listeners who ask for this and you definitely have more experience in it than I do so I'm <laughs> I'm excited for us to be able to offer this help and So just to jump in, what I think is great is you have a wide span of ages of children in your guys' household, where I am more in the phase now, my kids, I have two children, they're four years apart, but they are going on 17 and 13. So it's a very different time with that age group and homesteading and what they're capable of doing and their responsibilities versus having toddlers and infants and you know, that or having toddlers and infants with the teenagers and, and yeah. that, um, but managing a homestead because it is, you know, when you're planting a garden and you've got livestock and you're cooking from such, there's so many different parts of a homestead household than you have with just a regular household and just running a regular household, just keeping things in order and, and people somewhat clean and food on the table is hard enough, yeah. but adding in the element of producing your own food and creating that food from you know, from scratch and oftentimes really, you know, taking the the carcass and cooking that and then using those bones and making the broth and doing, doing all of that. You're not buying that pre-made at the store. It, right. It's a whole nother element 
And a lot of people who are just coming into this or maybe are, you know, pregnant or having, you know, babies are like, oh my gosh, how do I fit all of this in? So I would love for you to speak (laughs) to that. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, Justin and I have been homesteading pretty much since we've had babies. So we kind of got into this, you know, it's one of those things that for us, it was like, I'm pregnant. I'm growing this child. Oh my gosh, what am I putting in my body? How is that affecting my unborn child? You know, it's kind of like those things where you um, really start thinking about like what you're eating because you're pregnant. So that's kind of, that's, that's some of our story. And so we've always had little kids and now we have now that first child, Jonah, he is just turned 14. I cannot believe I have a teenager, um, a 14 year old. It's like crazy. But um, so I have a 14 year old, then I have a 12, 10, seven, and then nine month old baby. So we do have quite the wide range. And I want to say, first off, give yourself grace. Um, all the moms out there who are trying to do all the things, just give yourself grace because you can't do all the things. I'm just going to say that. Amen. (laughs) Amen. you You can do a lot. You can do a lot and you can really do a lot of things, but don't beat yourself up saying, oh, I can't do all the things. So I can't do any of the things. Do some of the things that you can do that make that bring you happiness, um, that bring you joy not to say don't do things that don't because there's lots of things in life that don't bring you joy, but you still have to do them. Um, like sweeping the floor. Maybe that brings you joy though. I don't know. Um, so really I think that just going into it, like with the grace mindset, you know, like even this morning I was trying to, I, we do minerals for our, our livestock. So it's a pretty extensive mineral program. And I try to get to it twice a week. I didn't get to it yesterday because the baby needed me. So I was like, today is my day. I'm going to get it done. He was on Justin's back. And about halfway through the process, he got really cranky and was like, I am done. I don't want to be on Papa's back anymore. I want to be with Mama in the nice warm house. (laughs) But we couldn't (laughs) stop. We couldn't stop because the livestock, you know, we had to finish. It was, you know, milking time. We had to finish moving the animals. Like there was things that had to be finished before we could get inside. So, you know, I just had to push through today and just be like, just talk to him and just be like, Henry, it's okay. We're going to get done soon. You know, mama's finishing. And as soon as I, you know, was finished doing my, my part of the tasks, because Justin and the boys could finish cleaning up, you know, putting everything away and, and doing all the things that they didn't need me for. I got Henry and we went inside (laughs) and he was able to nurse and um, get free from being on the back. So it's like, it's it's some of that, you know, like you, you push through and hopefully baby isn't cranky, but even then sometimes like you have to push through even when the baby is cranky, you know, or the toddler is whining and doesn't want to be doing the, the job anymore. So that's, that's, that is the tricky part of having livestock, you know, with gardens, you can just let them go. Um, obviously that's not ideal, but like, for instance, when I got pregnant with Henry in 2020, I had planted like all of this gardening. Like I had planted so many gardens 
And then I got pregnant and I got, you know, I had morning sickness and I was super tired and we did get some stuff out of the garden, but the garden was not tended to the way I had anticipated. <laughs> I had all these plans pre-pregnancy um, of like making, you know, I was going to can all these tomatoes and I was going to do this and I was going to do that. And we were going to, you know, eat strictly out of the garden for months. And then, and then I got sick and all I wanted to do was eat pizza, <laughs> you know? So it's like one of those things where you're just like, Oh, what, are, you know, how is this possible? But like I said, just give yourself grace and um, just know that last year, 2020, that year, you know, the gardens pretty much suffered. So then I had the baby, I had him in February. And so then I was like, 2021 is going to be better in the garden. And it was, I did get more produce out of it. I did not get to can my tomato sauce again. That was, um, you know, on my list. I did make tomato sauce. I actually did can some, I can three quarts. <laughs> that is it. But you know what? I call that a win because I did what I could with the time that I had. You know, um, my babies tend to not want to eat a lot of food. They like to nurse and they don't, they they show no interest in food. So um, I still spend a lot of time nursing, not as much as in the newborn days, but I definitely, you know, you will find me sitting down pretty often to, to get nourishment into my baby. And so I, I did what I could and I got three quarts done and I was like happy with that because that's more than I did the year before. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think changing your expectations for those yeah. seasons is really important. And I think I think this is true anytime, you know, and we're talking about in the context of having infants and young children, but too, sometimes yeah. you have these plans and then you might get hit with an illness that is debilitating or an yeah. injury or something that doesn't allow you to do what you had envisioned. And I know when I've went through those different times, and even when my kids were young, my daughter, um, who is my youngest, who is almost 13, but she was born in May. And that is when here, where we're planting all of our warm weather crops is about yeah. mid to end of May. Like the majority of the garden is going in at that time. And then of course, you know, through the, the next months is the harvest and the canning and all that. And so same thing that year, we did still get a garden in, um, you know, my husband, took on a larger portion of that than he normally would. We normally do it together, but he had to do more of the the planting and we just did less than we would. Yeah. But we really tried to focus on, and this is what I've tried to do in any of those harder seasons or less than ideal, which honestly, every season has its issues. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like, yeah, there's always something, uh, but really focusing on like the the crops that mean the most to us right. um, that I'm able to preserve with the kind of the least amount of efforts because I'm with you like I love homegrown tomato sauce and I, my goal is to never buy from the store but making tomato sauce is a lot more involved in canning than doing something like green beans green beans you yeah. just have to snap you just pour water over them you could do a raw pack there's no simmering there's no de-seeding there's no you know, like all of that so for us beans are a really staple crop for us they grow pretty right. easy I'm not having to baby them um, we get our seed from them. They're also my dried beans and in dried bean form, I'm doing nothing other than letting them dry on the vine and then picking them in and bringing them in for the winter months. So I, that was one of the things that we just felt like that year, we didn't do hardly 
I actually, I don't even know if we did tomatoes that year. I don't think we even did tomatoes <laughs> that year, honestly. So I think just like really looking at, at what, what is yeah. really important, you know, to you. And like you said, and then giving yourself grace, even if those really important things, some of them might not end up looking like the volume or how you mm-hmm. had wished. And I don't know about you, but that year we had way more weeds than ever because I simply was not going to take nap time and devote it to weeding. It was going to be harvesting or some of the other things that needed to get done. Oh, 100%. Our garden was a mess, you know, weed-wise. We, I, I did have the forethought to um, get grass, grass clippings down. So in my raised beds, I didn't have as much, thank goodness, weeds. But in the, the crop gardens, our bigger, where we grow, like our pumpkins and stuff like that, it was, it was a weedy mess. And I am thankful, you know, Justin did step in. And he, um, we actually froze last year, we froze some tomato sauce and then, um, or 2020, we froze tomato sauce. And then this year we froze a little bit and then we canned a little bit, you know? So, and tomatoes are my love language. Like, honestly, I was like, there's no option. We have to grow tomatoes, <laughs> even just for fresh eating. Cause I was like, we have to have tomatoes. That's like the, that's like summer to me. That is like my, that's my most tomatoes, green beans, and cucumbers. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I just love it. I know I'm like thinking, I'm like, oh, next year I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's gonna be more, more next year. I just know it. But I mean, who knows? Who knows what will happen next year? Cause it seems like something always does. <laughs> yeah, there's always something new. I'm with you. Like, as at the time of we're recording this, it's like we're in the middle of December. And yeah. yes, I've got, I've got my pickles. I still have my fermented pickles too. Actually, I've got my canned ones too. But, and while those are lovely and I'm so thankful to have them throughout the winter months, they're not quite the same as just that fresh cucumber or that fresh tomato or the, yeah, the fresh food from the garden, Um, which I guess is good though, because then it it gets me uh, geared up. And um, like between kids, you forget a little bit as time passes what yeah. labor was like and what pregnancy was like or at least for me I had horrible pregnancies I didn't enjoy being pregnant to be honest I <laughs> I felt sicker than a dog and it wasn't just the three months it was the entire time through yeah. but but you after as time elapses you forget and then you just remember this you know beautiful child and all of the loveliness and I feel like it's kind of like that with the garden like right now yes. I'm I'm forgetting all of the work and in some of the woes that happen and I'm just remembering the beautiful aspects so I feel like that's what winter does for gardeners it prepares you for the next work season it's so true it is so so true like you really do forget like it's so funny because you know we just had a baby this year and I'm like looking at Justin and I'm like did we really start over our youngest before Henry Gideon? He is only, he's seven. So, you know, we had a a nice long time where, you know, we could go on dates and like sleeping through the night and all these (laughs) things, you know, we're not wiping anyone's butt. And then all of a sudden I, you know, I turned 40 and I was like, we have to have another baby. I, I, cause this is like almost over. Like this part of my life is almost over. And I would really like to just have one more. And, um, and it took us a couple of years to, to have him, but he's here and healthy, thank goodness. And, um, but it's funny, it's the same way with the garden because you forget, you forget all of the labor and you look forward to it because like you have that break in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like I don't mind, like I'm thinking of like all of the work that it's going to be. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be great. <laughs> 
um, as I sit in my warm house, you know, and it's cold outside and, and everything's put to bed. Um, you know, my gardens are put to bed right now. So. Yeah, it is. I, it's, I think it's a, it's a good thing because, um, it, and I don't know, like, because my only experience with gardening is living with a northern climate. So our warm okay. weather growing season is relatively short, not as short as some, but it's like the end of May. I'm planting out, you know, the tomatoes and all the warm weather crops. And then we're pretty much done with the majority of that harvest by mid end of September, depending upon the year. And so okay. I feel, you know, it's all kind of crammed in there with the preserving. It's all yeah. like this, this go time. And like right now we still have some Brussels sprouts out in the garden, but the actual work is not there. Like I can go out and pick yeah. Brussels sprouts. I've got potatoes that I'm just root cellaring in the ground under layers and layers of mulch. Like Sunday, I just went out, it was pouring down rain. It was gross out, but I was only outside for like two minutes as I'm digging up these potatoes and then bringing them in the house. So yeah, it's a, it's a different, um, you, yeah, everything is put together in bed and you get to kind of romanticize it, yeah. which is nice. Um, <laughs> I, I'm very glad that, that God has put those seasons in there, uh, both yes. with the childbearing and rearing, but also with gardening. And now I don't know if, if you guys did this, but when the kids were really little, especially that toddler phase, so really like really from like two, I would say like two till about four, uh -huh. uh, we would during planting time. Um, I would on some of the things like I would go through and I would mark the holes so that they would be at the correct depth. But then I would let them go behind me and drop the seeds in the holes. And of course, they drop them like, you know, not all of them made it into the holes, but most of right. them pretty would. And, and so we would, it took longer because obviously you're, you're letting this other, but it allowed them to be in the process, which worked better than me trying to not have them touch or do anything for fear they would mess it up. <laughs> uh, because that didn't, that never works unless they're at nap time or they can go to grandma's or something. I found right. that if I could incorporate them and at least try to mitigate it so that they felt like that they were helping. And they technically were, and they were learning at the same time, but by giving them very specific roles for whatever age they were, and still they would mess it up again, that grace and the expectations. Um, and then as they got a little bit bigger, like three and four, I would just give them seeds. And even at one, like as long as they weren't seeds that they were going to choke on or put up their nose or something like that. I mean, <laughs> right. But I would just give them like a little section of the garden and just like <clears throat> let them do their thing and play in the dirt while we were planting the rest of it rather than try to keep them out of certain areas. So I don't know, have, have you guys, has that worked at all for you or do you guys have any kind of system like on planting day? Oh, yeah. So on planting day, it's all hands on deck. We, um, we actually start a lot of our seeds. We do direct sow some, but not actually most of our stuff. There's just a couple things that we own that we direct sow. So they obviously can help with that because like you said, it's easy. Um, and if they plant a whole bunch in one, one section, you can kind of, uh, we thin it out, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, before it gets too crazy. But yeah, no, we do, they are, our kids have always participated. Um, we don't require it, but we do, you know, ask them to be outside with us. Um, like when we're planting at the greenhouse or, you know, if when we're transplanting into our high tunnel or into our crop garden, I am, um, you know, I, we ask that they just be outside with us and we, it doesn't matter if they're actually working with us we kind of let them um, make those choices. You know, remember when you would go to the bank with your parents as a kid and they would always give you a lollipop? Yeah. And you wondered like, why? Why do they hand out candy at the bank? Well, they want it to be a positive experience for the kids. So that's kind of how we feel about gardening. We let them come. 
and we let them bring their toys. And so they're sometimes digging in the dirt. Um, sometimes they're just playing. Sometimes they're, you know, digging in the dirt and actually putting something in the ground. Sometimes they're just digging in the dirt and playing. And sometimes they're just running around, you know, playing tag or whatever, whatever game they've come up with. Um, you know, it just depends. And so just like bringing them along with us and not requiring them to work, but just requiring them to be with us, you know, and, you know, when they're that age, they really have to be with you. They can't be off on their own, but even as they get older, you know, we, we don't require our older children to work. We just, you know, we're like, Hey, we're going outside and they're always going to just pitch in. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to just sit there and watch. Um, sometimes they do, but sometimes, you know, most of the time they do, you know, pitch in and, and do something. And so we're kind of like creating that good feeling of like being outside with all of us. We're, we're all like enjoying, we're all talking. Sometimes we're telling funny stories. Sometimes we're listening to an audiobook. It just kind of depends upon what's going on. And um, so, yeah, we do that and we, we actually plant more than we think we need because something will happen to them, you know, via the children, toddlers, especially <laughs> they'll get stepped on. The plants will get stepped on or pulled up on accident, sometimes not accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's just like one of those things. So we, that's another way we give ourselves grace. We give them grace by planting 25% more than we think we actually need to get the harvest that we want. Um, and then, so then, then, then it, it helps the relationship, you know, it helps the expectations because it's, it's inevitable that, you know, something will happen to something that you're really looking forward to growing via a child. And so we just, we've always just tried to do as much as we can together. It seems to be working, you know, like Gideon, he's, he's our, la he's our last of like the first group. I feel like I have a, like my first group and then my, my second my second group, which he's going to be the only one in the second group because I'm not <laughs> having any more. But, um, you know, with Gideon, Gideon is, is, he's seven now and he's really starting to like get more involved and kind of transition out of that playing space and more into the, I want to help and, um, and like actually help, you know, not help in quotation marks, <laughs> yes. you know, and I think that's a lot of it is with our kids too. We also, you know, asked them to help us, not like required it, but been like, Hey, can you, can you hold this for me? Or can you put this in the, in the hole? Or, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, especially that age two to four, they really, really want to help, you know, um, they really want to participate and feel like they're doing something, um, big, you know? And yeah, so yeah. by allowing them to do that, you're really just setting them, setting them up for one, learning what they enjoy and what they don't enjoy. You know, I have one, one child hates gardening. He's like, when I get older, I hope I marry somebody that likes gardening so that we can have fresh vegetables, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an animal person. And so, but you know what, with him, it's great because now he knows that when he's an older, when he's older, when he's old enough and he's on his own, if he, if he's ever on his own on a different farm, um, which I always tell my kids, they don't ever have to leave. They, they're more than welcome to stick around and participate in what we're doing. You know, they're, they're more than welcome to, to, to bring their family and, you know, we can all do it together if that's what they choose to do. Um, but you know, now he, he has that, he has that knowledge. Like, I don't like growing vegetables. Like I don't enjoy that. 
I enjoy working with the animals. And so now he, he has like a, a, a future, you know, like a future of what that would look like. And so it's exciting, you know, that um, he's been able to <clears throat> really cultivate that. You know, I, I, I do love gardening, but I really do love working with the animals too, but I didn't learn that until I was in my thirties, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think it is really important to, and obviously the child has to be of a certain age before you're going to be able to discover where oh, is yeah. it that they really yeah. enjoy and all of that. And you're not going to know that if you don't have them exposed to things when they're younger. But what I found too, especially within the gardening aspect is once the kids developed a taste for certain things mm-hmm. and whatever they enjoyed the most if i had them be in charge of what they actually like to eat yeah that that tended to help a little bit more like okay you're gonna help plant this or you're gonna have this section um kind of giving them responsibility on on a specific thing but also if it was tied to something that they enjoyed that seemed to help some but what i found really interesting i don't know if you've experienced this but with my older son we always had a garden but we didn't really get super deep into really realizing where our food came from and then only sourcing it from from places that raised it you know like what our standards are now using organic practices and and grass-fed and no gmos and you know being super good stewards of the land and that it, it you know all of those things so i feel like his formative years we did have a garden and we did raise beef but we weren't doing chickens we weren't doing pigs at that point and the garden and my cooking wasn't what it is right now it wasn't to the (laughs) level that it is now so so the reason that i share that is because if you've got kids and you're coming into this i wish that i had known everything i know now when i was pregnant and i did eat the cleanest i ever ate at that time when i was pregnant but my son because his palate was developed by the time he was Mm -hmm. you know like three four which was a little bit later so he was exposed to like nobody shoot me or send me mad messages (laughs) but he ate he ate mcdonald's chicken nuggets when he was little like not all the time but i'll be honest he had crappy food and so it was interesting though because my daughter then being four years apart did not and so as he aged i had a harder time getting him to eat foods that she would naturally eat because she didn't have anything to compare him to her taste buds only knew this so I found that if I could get him involved in the garden and he felt some ownership and responsibility, not only on the, the vegetables he did like or the fruits, but also on some of the other ones that maybe he wasn't as big a fan of when he had some of that pride of like, oh, like, look, like I actually grew this and we're going to have this for dinner or lunch or whatever. He was more willing to eat and taste those things and then actually consume them uh, than he was prior to that. Now, I don't know that you guys experienced that because it sounds like you you got in there earlier than I did. Yeah. Have you noticed any any correlation or anything like that at all? Well, I would say so. Justin and I were actually foster parents um, in like 2005, 2006. And we had a foster son who they have they they didn't they didn't eat real food. You know, like we, we still at that time were eating, you know, fast food and junk food. So like, you know, we would give, we would expose them to that still, you know, but we also had a garden and we, um, I remember this one particular son, foster son, he was hated, hated it, but we had the garden. We, he went out and he helped me, you know, plant, grow it and then cook it. And then all of a sudden, guess who loves zucchini? 
uh-huh. this particular yeah. child, which I was like, wow. Cause you know, I had heard that like, if you get them involved, if you get them doing this thing, you know, like doing it, it's going to change them. And I mean, I saw that firsthand and I was shocked. I was just like, wow, this is a very interesting to go from like, I don't even want to try it to, okay, I'll try it. And then like enjoying it. I was, I was shocked, you know, um, actually by that with our other, with our birth children, we did not, we did not eat a lot of junk food. Like, you know, so we had, we had, we had kind of gotten out of fast food at that point. Um, but you know, we used to, we used to, we used to eat the junk with the rest of them. So <laughs> no judgment here from us, you know? And, um, and so like my children have never had soda and they, um, they have had like spicy kombucha soda type stuff. And they're like, they hate it. They are like, this is disgusting. Um, which I find hilarious because I mean, Justin and I grew up on soda, you know, um, we didn't eat it, drink it all the time, but we drank it enough that we, you know, it was a treat here and there. And that was something that was something in our journey of, um, you know, coming from the, I had read an article, um, on high fructose corn syrup and like all the ways that it is bad for you and all those things. And that was the very first thing that we cut out. And so, you know, obviously high fructose corn syrup is in soda. So we stopped drinking soda pretty quickly because we had decided, you know, together, like this is, this is, you know, we don't want to put this in our bodies. So I find it, I, I think it's funny because like our kids, like they just don't even know what junk food is really. I think it's, I think it's funny because they'll hear like an Oreo and they'll be like, what's an Oreo? And I'm like, cookies, they're actually pretty good. They're not great for you. <laughs> oh, the, the, okay. The Oreo thing is so funny. So for my listeners, some of them have heard this story, but um, it was interesting because when I was raised growing up, we we were raised really frugally. And so uh-huh. out of necessity, we really didn't have very much junk food. Like same thing, like pop was, or soda pop was yeah. a very special, very occasional thing. And actually when I was little, I didn't like it. The carbonation, I always yeah. would tell my mom, it's spicy. Yeah. It was, it was the carbonation. But, um, but what's funny is I was actually a freshman in high school before I ever had an Oreo when I was at a, wow. a friend's house. And and she's like, we're going to have Oreos for dessert tonight. And she's all excited. And I'm like, I, I'm old enough to know that I should like what this is, but I'm also old enough that I don't want to say I've ever had it before. Yeah, right. right. And so we have them that night and I'm like, they were okay, but I didn't think they were anything phenomenal. And to this day, I'm kind of like an Oreo. I'm, I'm like, I could care less if I ever have an Oreo yeah. again or not, but it's really funny though. Just the context that you have, like, I think at the ages that you taste yeah. different foods and, and stuff like that. And And I will say with my son, because, you know, you take a four or five year old and because I have all the information to make these health changes and the way that we're eating and what we're going to be eating, you know, a four and a five year old, it's really hard for them to understand why all of a sudden they don't get to have this thing anymore. Um, And for me, it was it was really important that my kids understood the why, not just because I said so. And so one of the great things actually about the internet is I was able to show him some videos that actually showed like under a microscope, like Mm -hmm. what is actually in these chicken nuggets and stuff. And after he watched that, cause it had been a battle. Like I would be like, no, we're not going here. And you know, we didn't go there that often and everything. And 
I would just show, I showed him, I finally just started showing him the evidence. I was saying, but in a format he can understand at five, he's not going right. to read a paper, but he could watch a video. And after that, then it was fine. Even with, he was in town with his grandparents, he would be like, no, I don't want that. So wow. I think finding a way that they can yeah. understand when some of our reasonings for things um, is really in, important. And it was very, very helpful for me to end that battle. A hundred percent. I agree with that a hundred percent because, our, well, actually, so we did remove something from our diets that we used to eat, which is bread. So I have Hashimoto's and in 2013, um, I went to a conference and one of the classes was on Hashimoto's and, you know, how to feel better. And so one of the points was to stop eating gluten. And so I came home from that conference and I told Justin, I was like, we're not going to eat bread anymore. And um, because I, I, once I stopped eating bread, I felt so much better that I never wanted to eat it again. Um, but that was me, you know, that wasn't the rest mm -hmm. of my family. But then I was so concerned with cross-contamination that I was like, hey guys, can we just like not have bread or flour in our house at all? Because um, I just don't want to cross-contaminate and, and can potentially you know, make me feel bad again, since I was feeling so much better. And of course, Justin was like, totally. And he was totally on board with giving it up. The kids on the other hand were like, oh, do we have to? You know? <laughs> and so, I mean, we, we still do gluten-free bread. I found a good gluten-free bread that, that we eat on occasion. Um, and we've, I've learned to cook um, well, gluten-free, if anyone's eaten gluten-free before, they know that it, the, the trial and error that comes with that, um, you can eat some really gross tasting things Yes, <laughs> until, you, until you figure out the art of it and, and, and how to read a recipe and to understand and know which flowers mixed with which flowers make the best product. Um, now, for the most part, I feel like we're not as deprived as we felt um, way back in 2013. I mean, I even laid on the couch and just bawled my eyes out because I was like, I'm going to miss sourdough bread. <laughs> oh. Um, and so, but I, you know, I haven't eaten it since 2013. I haven't had, I've had a couple of exposures on accident that, um, <laughs> where I, I, I got a piece of pizza that wasn't gluten-free that I thought was gluten-free and I took a bite and I knew instantly it wasn't gluten-free. Um, and we called the restaurant and they were like, yeah, that's gluten. And I was like, oh no, you know, so there's a couple of those instances, but, um, for the most part, you know, I wouldn't go back. I would, I do eventually would like to try to make einkorn sourdough. I hear that that is something that people like with Hashimoto's can tolerate. Yeah. Um, and especially like long fermented stuff. So it's, it's on the table still. Um, I need to get through my postpartum because I've had kind of a crazy postpartum with my thyroid this this time around. Um, and so I'm trying to like get my thyroid's actually it's really good. I just had blood work done and all my numbers look really good and I feel really good, too, which is also half the battle there. And um, and so I am like looking forward to trialing that in the future. I think I talked to my doctor and she was like, let's get through postpartum and like have a lot of, you know, several labs in a row where your thyroid is stable. Um, and then you can give it a go. Cause I'm like, I want to try. And not that we would eat a lot of it, but that's our thing. My, my kids feel, um, you know, they feel sad sometimes that we don't eat a lot of bread, which, you know, it yeah. is, what it is. I can't, yeah. I can't change that, 
but um, I mean, and actually I used to let my kids eat gluten and then they, a couple of them started reacting to it strangely um, like with skin rashes and stuff. And so we cut it out completely and all the rashes went away and haven't returned since we've, since I said, okay, nobody's eating gluten. Cause I can't like let two of my kids eat gluten and not the other two. Yeah. You know, that would be a disaster. Yeah. I, you know, it, no, it would be. And a couple of things. Yes. Like einkorn and especially sourdough einkorn is really good. And again, it's, you know, with those ancient grains and einkorn, even more so than spelt and fresh ground, all those things, just like gluten free, there is definite learning curves to baking yeah. and cooking with them. But the sour, einkorn sourdough and, and einkorn baking, I feel is easier than gluten free because I have done done both. <laughs> Um, the einkorn is definitely easier. It is a learning curve. If you're used to just going like with regular all-purpose flour yeah. from the store, there is some modifications that need to happen. Um, but yeah, a lot of people have had a lot of success being able to do the einkorn for digestive reasons and, and a lot of different things. Whereas other, other grains and other gluten containing flours, you know, they've not been able to, but I did not know that you had Hashimoto's and I don't have Hashimoto's, but I did have low thyroid was on thyroid medication for hypothyroidism for uh, about six to seven years. And I was able to come off it with labs confirmed um, going on two years now. And so I know what you mean, like, but I also like when you were, there's so many things you were talking, like (laughs) that could be a whole nother podcast episode and then one. But I think being what I've learned thus far in my journey with food and finding healing from multiple things by the food that I ate, and it's still a constantly evolving journey. But just like you said, when you noticed the way that you felt and noticing things that were happening with your children, and when you took away a specific thing, how did it impact them? Because I think there are a lot of foods that are common triggers, but we have to be aware of our own bodies and how things make us feel. And the same thing with our children as much as we can, because they don't have that awareness level yet, at least not that an adult does. And then seeing and trying it, like when I remove this, what do we feel like? And if I bring this back in, or if I do this differently, maybe I do einkorn, but like you said, I'm doing a full sourdough with a full eight to 12 hour fermentation period does that change the way we feel after we eat and really just identifying the the way that your body feels and reacts to things? I feel like we as society and a lot have lost that. And if we, and even myself, I'll get busy and eat certain things and not be paying attention. And then over time, I'm like, man, I feel kind of crappier. There's like something's going on right now. And then I'm like, I have to sit back and think about, well, what have you been eating? And, and exactly when did you feel by what? And anyway, so I think that that is so key because I feel that sometimes we can be like, well, this worked for so-and-so and maybe yes, it will work for you, but you have to really be in tune to your yeah. own self and, and noticing things. It's so true. And actually it's interesting. So recently I had a friend, had a baby and I took some food over there and I took um, my, one of my children with me to help me with the baby um so that I could be present with her a little bit too you know and so when we were there I had brought chili well they had had they eat gluten so they had bread and so her kids when they had their chili had some bread with it and so my kids said to me can I eat some of that bread Mm. and and she was like well it's not sourdough because she knows you know she knows me 
And yeah. I was like, well, you make that decision. You're old enough. You, if you want to, to eat the bread, eat the bread. And, you know, I didn't really think much of it. So I let him make his decision and he chose to eat the bread. And then on the way home, when we were driving home, he's like, you know, mom, I kind of don't feel good. And mm. I think it's the bread. And, you know, so it was really good because now that he's old enough to like be in tune with his body and like to understand, you know, like we've, he knows why we don't eat gluten, you know, because yeah. I don't feel good. I, you know, we do this because I don't feel good. Um, when I eat gluten and, um, and so this is, this is like why we do things, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about educated our children a lot on the way we eat and why we eat this way. Like, you know, you were saying earlier and I let him make his decision. And then he was kind of like, I don't think I would choose to eat the bread again if I had the choice. And I was interesting. Just like, That's oh. interesting. You know, like yeah. I, didn't, I honestly, when I was like, you make the decision. I wasn't like thinking we were going to have this long discussion afterwards right. about how you feel, but he was really, he was like, my stomach kind of feels weird and it was good. It was, it was a good kind of learning experience. Cause like, you know, really, I mean, I know some people say like gluten is the worst thing in the world you can eat. I, I personally don't feel like demonizing food groups is a good thing. Um, but that's just how, you know, how we live our lives. We don't eat gluten because like, literally I don't feel good when I eat it. Um, it's not because I think it's like the worst food in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but so many people can get kind of crazy <laughs> with these ideas, you know? So it was just good. Yeah. That I was able to, it wasn't like a McDonald's Big Mac, you know, that he had to go and try that, like the, the extreme of like, I mean, this is like homemade bread, you know, blah, blah, blah. It just wasn't, it just, it wasn't like a, a really terrible thing that he was eating but it was good. It was a good learning process for him to see that. And so I don't know. I just, I am, I'm a big fan of like letting kids learn um, and just, and, you know, just like testing things out in the, in under our umbrella, you know what I mean? Like under the umbrella of being at home and kind of like learning what works for them and what doesn't work for them while they're here in our house. And then when they go out into the world, they can kind of, they're going to have a better sense of who they are and what they want in life, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I agree. In fact, even, I mean, even now with, you know, my son is a teenager and, you know, an, an old, getting to be an older teacher, a mid-teenager, however you want it to phrase yeah. that there. <laughs> and, you know, it's even interesting because he, you know, will be like, um, he was having, he had some heartburn. Oh, wow. heartburn every now and then and I'm like well what have you been eating and because I think a lot of people as assume or and even I did way back in the day before I really did a lot of elimination yeah. and figuring out what triggered my heartburn and what didn't and all of that stuff and GERD and ulcers uh you know like people just will be like oh well you know tomato based spicy foods like they like those seem to be just the two culprits to come to mind and like for me my homegrown tomatoes and I can make you know, chili, like those don't affect me. It's really right. not for me. That's not my trigger foods. It's high fructose corn syrup. It is a lot of refined sugar. Like yeah. those, a uh, food dye, if like M&Ms come into the house and I don't have willpower and I end up eating some of them, like, <laughs> oh my, like I can, I mean, it's, I'll have heartburn that night. Like, you know, without, yeah. without a doubt. Um, and you know, and I'm making that decision, obviously I'm an adult, but knowing those correlations. And so he was experiencing, he was like, man, I've been having heartburn. And I'm like, well, you know, 
here's, you know, how to help. But I'm like, you, you need to, what have you been eating lately then? Like trying to help him, like you said, under that umbrella, helping him to draw that correlation rather than being like, no, you can't have anything, you know, because I know it's bad. Like they have to have that realization and some of that testing on their own. But my, my hope is that he'll begin to draw those correlations that took me into my thirties before I really realized or late twenties, you know, that hopefully he'll have that from a much younger point in life. Um, you know, and that's all we can do because once they're out of our house, then, you know, we can hope they'll come to us for wisdom, but you know, really our, our job is to, to be able to instill as much of that as we can while they're still here. Um, yeah. Well, do you have, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we need to have a thyroid conversation, like seriously, because I, I, I want to get into it now, but I'm like, oh my gosh, like we don't have time to do it justice. And it's it's a whole nother topic and conversation, but one that is really needed. So I would love to have you uh, come back on and for us to be able to talk about that because I think it would be fabulous. But in regards to kids and homesteading and and try to manage, do you have any um, last parting tips or bits of wisdom that you would like to share? I think that I would like to share just when you have your children so many times in our society that it's like, well, I want a garden, so I'm going to do that alone, like without my family. And so I just want you to invite you to invite your children on your journey with you, um, you know, not requiring it, but inviting them and being like, do you want to come with me to do this? Uh, this is something that I enjoy and, and sharing it with you completes that joy. So I think that's the biggest thing is just like in, invite them into this part of your life. If you're just starting out on the homesteading journey invite them in and see where they can fit in into it, you know? And then once, if they, if they fit into it, and this is something that they want to continue to do with you, then plug them into something that is theirs, you know, that, that gives them ownership and that will just, it'll just bring you guys so much joy together. I think, because isn't that what it's all about is, you know, having a joy and then finding someone to share it with. And then you guys having joy together. And, and so I think that's, that's been the, one of the biggest things that Justin and I have learned, I think, in this homesteading journey for us with our children is inviting them in, inviting them to do this with us. And it's just brought in so much joy for our entire family. You know, when we sit down to a meal and so much of us that we've all had a hand in growing, it's, it's just a joy. It's a huge joy. And so um, I just hope that this somehow inspires you to bring your children along with you. Yes, completely agree. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on. And for those who maybe aren't as familiar with you guys, uh, where is the best place for them to connect and to find out more about what you guys are doing? So we have a YouTube channel called Justin Rhodes. That's my husband. And um, so that's our kind of our family YouTube channel. And then on Instagram, you can find me at Rebecca.Rhodes. And I'm over there. Sometimes I'm feeling inspired and will share. And sometimes I'm not. <laughs> um, and so that, those are the two blessed places. Oh, and then there's Abundance Plus. I didn't even think about that. So that's kind of our streaming network for homesteading and you can check it out at abundanceplus.com. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, 
Thank you so much, guys. We will have all of those links um, in the show notes so that you can easily access them and hop on over and check those things out. And thank you, Rebecca. It was so much fun getting to know You're you welcome. better. It's so good to, to talk to you and like in depth. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super excited to be able to uh, continue the conversation on, uh, on more things that we had in common that I didn't know. So, so thank you uh, so much. And I look forward to talking again with you soon. Me too. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. And I wanted to share this for our verse of the week. We are over in Proverbs and chapter 28, verse 19. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. And I really enjoy Proverbs. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible because it is usually quite succinct and to the point, and there can be a lot of wisdom in just one single verse, as well as those verses only being one sentence. And there is something, especially in uh, today's age and all of the things still happening in the world, at least at the time of this recording, that being able to take control of what you're doing in your own backyard and going out and being away from, you know, any type of media, though I will say I happen to listen to podcasts when I am out in my garden, but that is my choice of media and I can choose exactly what it is that I'm going to be listening to. So. If you are listening to this podcast as you go about your homestead chores, know that I do the very same thing. And I'm so happy to be accompanying you while you are out and about doing those things. But there is something very, very grounding and also very peaceful. And I find helps to reset my perspective as well as I'm sure my breath rate, probably even blood pressure when I can get out and away from things. And I am just in my backyard with my hands in the dirt, sometimes just even planning, just walking through the garden area and kind of planning what we're going to do and, and envisioning what things are going to look like for the, the next year, even especially at the time of this recording, we still have about a foot of snow on the ground. But I have found that spending time in the garden or out with the animals, not only does that then provide us with an abundance of food, but it really provides that grounding and peace that is such a valuable thing that feels like is easy to lose when we're consuming media or maybe out in different public environments based upon where you live and uh, what things that you may be experiencing on what you are allowed and or not allowed to do based upon certain things. So I just wanted to share that because I feel like working our land and it might just be even pots of containers of stuff that you're growing on a patio you might be like well, i don't really have a bunch of land yet but just those spaces not only does it give us abundant food that can fill our stomachs and we actually are eating but i feel like it gives us an abundance in mindset and peace and i don't know about you but that's something that i could definitely use even more of in this day and age so thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it and I will be back here with you next week. Until then, blessings and mason jars, my friend. Mm -hmm.